0: So, Heavenly Fathers, we come before You today, we acknowledge that You are the King of peace, that uh, when we come before You, we can bow our knees and we can worship You and we can understand this peace. And Lord, I'm sure there are people who've come in today that are struggling with anxiety or struggling with trauma or struggling with challenges in their lives that desperately need this peace. So, Lord, I ask for Your comfort to comfort each one of us as we come into your presence today and recognize who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you for Christmas and know that it's because of the birth of Jesus that you started this earthly ministry that led to the crucifixion, the death of Christ, and then the resurrection that we can celebrate because He's conquered death. That's just the beginning of the reign, then, of Christ in our hearts, so we can experience the peace that you want us to enjoy in our lives. We thank you for that. We ask that you'd make that a very real part of our day today and of our Christmas as we look forward to the special celebration of the birth of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Don and I, over the last several sessions, are Um, teaching about the responses to Christmas from the various Christmas um, characters in the story. And today, we're going to look at the wise men. In order to look at the wise men, we have to go back about 600 years to start our story. The story takes place, um, I'm going to say, about 600 years before with a man named Belteshazzar. You might not know him. You might know him as Daniel. The story takes place, and we can read it in Daniel chapter 2. It starts with a king who was very upset because he had a bad dream, a very bad dream. And so he was upset about it. He was troubled by this dream. And so he called all the wise men and the astrologers and the magicians in, and he said to them, I have had a terrible dream. It is your job to tell me what the dream is and to tell me what it means. Oh, king, we can't tell you what the dream is. You tell us what the dream is, and we'll tell you what it means. No, Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm not going to do that. I have you as my wise men and uh, astrologers and magicians, and it's your job to tell me the dream and what it means. Oh, king, we can't do that. That's unheard of. You tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. No, he says, if you can't tell me the dream and what it means, I'm going to have all the wise men in Babylon killed. They said, oh, king only, and here's what they said, we cannot tell you the dream, only the gods can tell you the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar said, you are stalling, I'm going to have you all killed. And he called Arioch, his head guard, and he said, I want you to round up all the wise men to be killed. So Arioch goes and finds the wise men, and he comes upon Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says to them, that we need to round you up because you're going to be killed. And Daniel says, why is the king being so harsh? And Arioch told him the story of what was going on. And, and Daniel, that night, just prayed. And as he did, God revealed to him the dream and the interpretation of the dream. So when he woke up in the morning, he went to, to Arioch and he says, look, Arioch, do not go and kill all the wise men. Don't gather them up. I have the dream and I know the interpretation of the dream. So Ariok quickly went into the king and said, King, one of the Hebrew wise men, he knows the dream of yours and the interpretation of the dream. So they brought Daniel into his presence and, and the king said, Do you know the dream and the interpretation of the dream? And, and Daniel says, No. I can't tell you the dream and the interpret. I can tell you, though, there is a God in heaven who has revealed to you mysteries of things to come. And as you were pondering in your bed the future, God has revealed to you this great dream that you are seeing and you've seen. And I can tell you about it because of what God has revealed to you. It's a big statue that you saw, a statue with a gold head and then a silver body and then a belly of bronze and iron legs and feet of clay and iron mixed together. Let me tell you the interpretation of the dream, O king. You are that great king, the Babylonian king, represented by the gold head, but there is going to be another kingdom after yours that's going to be represented by the silver. We know today that that is the Medo-Persian kingdom that was established. And O king, you're there, that king is going to kingdom is going to fall off the scene, and there's going to be another kingdom represented by that, that belly of bronze, We know today that's the Greek kingdom with Alexander the Great. And he said after that kingdom is deposed, there's going to be another kingdom represented by the iron legs. That is coming, and we know today that's the Roman kingdom. And then there's going to be this feet of iron and clay, and then there's going to be this large rock that you saw in your dream, not hewn by human hands, as you saw, but a huge rock that's going to come down. Of course, we know that's Christ. And he's going to come down and smash the feet of the statue. And that statue will be consumed like chaff in the wind. And that kingdom will be one that's established and a kingdom that will last forever. Nebuchadnezzar, like you, said, wow, yes, this just rings true to what I dreamt. So great that God has revealed this to me. And the Bible says he bowed down and he worshiped. And he said, He is the God of gods, the Lord of kings. And he put Daniel as the head wise man. He would be the wise man in charge of all of the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said, I want my my friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to work with me. So they became the wise men and the head of all of the wise men in Babylon. And you can imagine that over the years, as each kingdom was deposed and others were um, elevated that they were thinking, oh, this is another kingdom, just like Daniel's prophecy told us about. I imagine these wise men over the years started having regular meetings. Maybe they got together on Tuesday nights to just talk about the future and where they were in the the map. They had Daniel's writings for them. They could go back and look at them, and they probably talked about all of these things. These men were scientists, and they would look at the stars and study them and imagine God's greatness in the stars. But one day there was a different star, a star that hadn't been there before. And when they saw that star, they thought royalty, because they believed when there was something, uh, a new constellation, or a new star, that represented royalty of some kind. So they decided that they would follow that star that was in the West, and they would go find this new king that had somehow been born. I can imagine the conversations that they had with their wives. Honey, you know the guys we meet with on Tuesday nights? Well, uh, we, we've discovered something new as we look up in the sky. We saw this new star out there in the west, and, uh, and we're going to take a business trip. Well, how long are you going to be gone? Well, don't exactly know. Where are you going? I don't know, but we think we're going over to Israel, to where the Jewish people came from. We're going to go that direction, follow that star to see where it leads so the wise men and i just want to point out these wise men for just a moment because in their lives they saw something different in this constellations that was well it was different it was surprising i want to suggest that in our lives as we're living our lives sometimes things happen in our lives that are unusual uh, they're surprising They just don't seem like everything else should be. And in those moments, often God is working in our own hearts. Often God is working in our own lives, and we need to be sensitive to that because maybe God is leading us in a different direction. These wise men decide to go to Jerusalem, and we pick our story up in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, we don't know for sure that these wise men came from Babylon. They came from the east, but we do know this about them. They knew there was a king to be coming. They knew that this was a king of the Jews, so they must have had some kind of background in their lives, and they're following a star in order to get to this king and find where he is. You know, I would just think that there are some people who grew up with some religious background, some information about God and so on, but then there's a star in their lives, and each one of us who've come to Christ came to us from some kind of a, um, a star-like thing that happens in our lives that moves us in a direction toward Christ. For some, it's a, being a scientist. You know, in in it used to be that Science and theology were much closer together than they are today. Today there's been this division or this separation where science has to do with facts and theology has to do with faith, and they seem to be on different sides of the fence. But the reality is that the further you pursue science in any discipline, you're going to get to Jesus Christ because that's what, where the truth is. If you have an open heart and you pursue science to its fullest, you're going to get to God. And you're going to understand more about who God is. It may be biology. It might be uh, chemistry. It might be the human body. Or it might not be science at all. Maybe it's a tragedy that takes place in your life. And in the midst of that tragedy, you say, there's something more to life here. And that starts your pilgrimage toward Christ. One man told me, uh, the way I came to Christ was I fell in love with this girl And she told me that I couldn't um, date her because I wasn't a Christian, and she invited me to come to her church. Well, I was really interested in her, but I went to church. And when I got to church, I learned more about Jesus because I saw God's Word, and I heard God's Word, and I fell in love with Jesus in addition to the girl that I eventually married. I don't know what it is that sparked in you something that says, Let's go figure out what this truth is. But here, these wise men were pursuing truth. And when you start to pursue truth, you know where you end up? You end up at the Scriptures, which are going to lead you to the, to the Christ child. That's what's going to happen in these guys' lives. Well, I'm getting ahead of our story. It says that they came and they said, Where is he who has been born, born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Why did they go to Jerusalem? Well, they went to Jerusalem because if you were going to find the new king, you'd go to the capital, and that's where the palace is. So they go and talk to Herod, and they want to find out what's going on. Where's this new king? Because surely he knows about it, and they've come to worship him. When Herod, now we're not going to talk a lot about Herod today. He's a work piece of art in himself that we could study at some point but we're not going to look at him today, but we have to pass through him to get to the rest of the story. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Tells a little bit about Herod himself. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. He had his own wise men that he would go to. These are the theologians, These are the people that had the Scriptures, and they knew the answer to the question because they had God's Word. Herod knew where to go for the answers. And now we're going to find that they're going to go to the Scriptures in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and we have three groups of people. We have Herod, who's really not interested in this message at all. We have the scribes and the chief priests who are interested in this. They have the answer, but they don't really follow and go the six miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to discover the king. It just reminds me there's a lot of religious people today who are content to be right where they are, but they really haven't seen Christ. They haven't met Him in a very personal way. There are a lot of churches in our world today that are declining in their attendance And many churches that are closing, many of them because they're compromising, really, the truth of God's Word. That they're saying, we just want to open up the church to anybody who will come, and they disregard sin... Uh, and lifestyles that aren't appropriate, and they just say, well, they get themselves into trouble. Or there's some churches that want to turn their Sunday morning worship service into a dramatic presentation. And so we're just trying to encourage people to come to get excited with all of our lights and smoke and all the other things that happen, and the Word of God is pushed aside. It's the Word of God that leads us to Christ, and that's what's going to happen in our story today in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Let's read it. It says, They told him, these are the scribes, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. You know, when you dig into God's word then you're led to Christ. Just notice the process of how God is speaking to these wise men. They must have had some kind of history before they saw the star. Something was going on in their lives. But then he led them through a star. And when they, he led them through the star, he took them to the next place where they met the people who know God's word, even though they weren't interested in finding Jesus themselves. They knew God's word, and, and then God spoke to them through his word. And then they go to Bethlehem And that's where they meet Jesus. And this real connection takes place with them. Let's read it. It says, Then Herod subbed the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they obeyed. They went on their way because they're pursuing truth. They want to know what this truth is all about. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's like a big bowl of joy. I mean, that's a lot of it. Exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. They didn't worship Mary. They worshiped him. Then, well, let's pause on that sense of worship because what is worship anyway? Worship is when you open your heart and the heart of man and women is opened up and comes in contact with the heart of God and something happens inside of our hearts. And they saw the Christ child, and this worship took place. And when you come into our church service on Sundays, it is our desire that as your heart is opened up, maybe it's through singing, or maybe it's through teaching, or maybe it's through connecting with other people, that your heart is opened up, and psh, worship takes place. But sometimes it takes place involuntarily. In other words, you don't have control over what happens. Like Saul of Tarsus, who was going along and, and uh and God knocked him off of his horse. Remember that he was going to persecute Christians. And God knocked him off of his horse. And then the next couple of days, as he's recovering from his blindness, lançaya. he comes in contact with God and starts a life of worship. Sometimes you're outside and you see something beautiful in creation, and wow! Wei。It's that worship. Or sometimes you turn on the radio and you listen to some Christian music, and a worship song just touches you and you have that worship experience. Or sometimes you see that God has worked out the situation in various ways that obviously He did just for you, and you go, psh, Lord, I worship you. We need the worship of God in our lives every day. That's why we get out our Bibles and we open them up and we read them because we read God's Word, and as we do, we see something that we need for today, and we go, whoa, psh. God, I worship you in the midst of that. And when we begin to worship the Lord, then things change in our lives. That God provides new direction for us, as He did with the wise men. That we start to say, Lord, I was going this way, but now as I worship you, I see that I need to go a different way. Sometimes that worship prompts us to stop in our tracks and just take time. Say, God, you are the greatest, you are the best you are what I need. Sometimes what it does, it says, I just want to give my whole life to you, Lord. I want to worship you with all that I have. And Lord, I just want to give gifts to you. And that's what they do. They're responding out of their worship. It says, then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's what worship does. It makes you want to give your whole life to the Lord. But certainly giving to God and giving to others and just sharing in the life that God has given to us. They are so excited about the gifts that they can give. And then we see, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You know, when you come to worship the Lord, I just want you to know He's gonna change your path in life. That the path you thought you were going on that was taking you back to where you were gonna go is not the right path for you. God has something better, something different that he's going to take you on this path that you don't even know about yet. But when you come to worship the Lord and experience him in all of his greatness, he speaks to you and he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to move. And so we're listening for that, aren't we? We want to know what does God want for each one of us as we're going along in life because we are worshiping the Lord and we want to hear from him and allow him to speak to us in that powerful way. So they head back off to wherever they were, probably Babylon, Babylon. I can imagine the conversations when they headed back there, conversations that said, hey, so how was your trip, honey? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. I met the king. I met the king we've been talking about, that we've been learning about, the one with the rock that would hit the feet and destroy to start this big kingdom, this eternal kingdom. I met him. I met him myself. And they were likely eager to share that message with their wives and all the people back there, wherever they came from, to tell them about the great message. They had met the King. They had met Jesus, and it has changed their lives. I trust that today you've met Jesus, and He's changed your life, and we all need to come to Christ regularly and worship Him and embrace Him and appreciate Him, and when we do, He continues to direct our path and move us forward, and that is is the meaning of Christmas. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.